Slow down, flip us over, and celebrate. The Turn Turtles are here! Hi everyone, and welcome to episode 3 of the Turn Turtles podcast. Hopefully you're all toweled off and relaxed from last week's episode, because this week we're getting into collecting around the pond. My name is Matt, and I'll be your ultra-supreme host this week. Whoa, 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 whoa. We never voted on ultra-supreme host. Yeah, no, that's, that's too far. That is unacceptable. No, not okay. Neither I'm ultra not sure nor you, supreme. I'm not sure any ultra-supreme anything has ever voted. They just take it for themselves. <laughs> At that's the co-host fair. level, we have Andrew. Hello, Matt. And Meege. Yep. And Adam. Hello, Matt. I will so not say hello we... to the Ultra Supreme host. <laughs> no, we I will also... Ec- we you must can call me the U.S. Him. Matt. <laughs> I assume- Wait, is that what they call it, the U.S.? Because it's Ultra Supreme of America? <laughs> uh, let's find out what made you guys happy this week. Andrew? All sorts of things. I had a really busy week, but it was filled with so many fun things. Uh, I got to be on my friend Sean's podcast, We the Gamer Cast. He invited me on there and did a little interview with me uh, about a bunch of all sorts of fun things. Uh, that was last week, Monday. And on Friday, I went to Matt's house for his birthday party and we had a grand old time. I'm sure that's going to come up because we played uh, played a board game there. Um, and also on Friday was the release of the new Final Fantasy XIV expansion, which was going to be super, super cool. Except that the servers have been super, super full and I've hardly been able to play. But uh, yeah, and other than that, we had our Christmas get together for my wife's family on Saturday, which was super fun. Because uh, that was the first time we've all been able to get together in like two years. So that was nice to see everybody again. Nice. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of happy in one week. I know. That was, weeks? yeah. No, that was in one week. That was just no more happy Monday. one week. I have no, no idea happy what happened the week, week before. No. <laughs> <laughs> i actually yeah. listened to your podcast that you did with your buddy sean yeah and it was really good i really enjoyed it thank you yeah we uh yeah we had a lot of fun that's only on youtube right no that's on everything oh is it okay i feel like he's always yeah, promoting was... the youtube links well yeah he's trying to get likes and whatever else on his youtube page likes smash the right. subscribe button smash that subscribe button <laughs> Meech, what's made you happy this week what has made me happy this week? Um, started my new job, which was good. Other than that, it's been a little cray. Binge watched some Doctor Who over the weekend because I couldn't go anywhere. Um, other than that, I just had a chill week. Yeah, nothing cray cray other than work. Which uh, which Doctor Who are you watching? Like, oh, yours? you know, I've watched it all a bunch of times. So sure. I started at when clara jumps in because that's what i've seen the least and now i'm halfway through the season that's currently releasing so that i'm caught up by new year's oh, for, the, for the fun special that they just announced mm-hmm. yeah cool that's what i've always been meaning to get back to i got to the episode in the originals where there's like the skin lady and Cassandra like, really weirded me out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then I didn't Moisturize fall off intentionally. Me. Moisturize <laughs> yeah. me. Yeah, you got to get through that first season, and then it gets a lot <laughs> better. <laughs> it's it's on my list, but that was rough. Uh, I don't think I got through the first season with 
Hannah. She just hated the mannequin episode, and like I've seen more, but <laughs> it's the first can't watch episode. It's just, it's <laughs> yeah. just too weird. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Adam. What are you? What's made you happy this week? Um, it it's been a mostly uneventful week. I think your birthday was probably the highlight. Um, of the just year. fun playing Captain Sonar of the year. Um. <laughs> This is where you're getting your supreme leader nonsense from. You're all high from your birthday, isn't it? Well, yes, absolutely. I think everybody gets that for at least a week after. Yeah, it's been mostly normal things besides from that, I think. Nice. I think, yeah, that will be my highlight as well, I think. My birthday was a lot of fun. Why don't I just roll into discussing what I've been playing? And uh, we played Captain Sonar, which is a really fun game, which is important when you're playing board games. It's up to eight players, and it's a head-to-head submarine game. And it's played in real time, so while the captains are yelling out which direction they want the submarine to go, the engineer's yelling that the systems that the first mate wants to use are broken, and the radio engineer is trying to listen to the other team to figure out where they are. And it is hilarious. I would like to point out that it doesn't have to be real time. I can't. uh, Oh, I get so stressed out by the real time. It's brutal. (laughs) I just lose my mind. I'm captain every time and I just can't. It's too much. But turn based (laughs) is also extremely fun. And it, 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 the real time makes you work really well as a team. The turn based makes you think about the strategy a lot more, which is also it's a totally different way of playing it. But it's super fun. It's Battleship for adults and it's great. The other games that I've been playing, I played um, last time or two episodes ago. The first episode, we discussed Seven Wonders Duel. <clears throat> and since then, our friend Daryl has allowed me to borrow his expansions, uh, Pantheon and Agora, both designed by Antoine Bauza and Bruno Cathala, and then published by Repo Game Productions. Um, Pantheon is uh, mostly... The theme of it is ancient gods from the Greek, Roman, Phoenician, Mesopotamian, and Egyptian gods. They they replace the guild cards that are in the Third Age with grand temples that are more themed around the gods as well. So in Seven Wonders Duel, you place the cards on the table in a row, and the next row has each card covering two from the previous row, and then you have a row of six down to rows a row of two. And each age is <clears throat> a different um, configuration of those cards. And then Pantheon adds uh, upside-down tokens somewhere on the, those cards in the first age that once you reveal that card, you'll flip over the token, and then the person who did that will reveal a symbol of the different the five different gods, uh, god Pantheons. So then you get to choose a card from there and put it face-down, on um on a board add-on that you put on top of the board and then depending how close it is to you or to your opponent it'll be more expensive if it's on your opponent's side of the board and then become cheaper as it as it comes closer to you depending on where you choose to slot it in and then during the second round you uh, are able to use do those god actions by paying the cost and then do your turn so it's a little more preparation there's a lot more decision making in it and it added so much to the game that i think that expansion alone saved the game for me 
So I was very happy with that. We'll, we would play that a bunch more. And then Agora is the other, the second expansion by the same people and producers. And it adds a board to the bottom. And you can play them both together, though we haven't done that yet. I feel like it would be a lot, which is not what Seven Wonders Duel is trying to be. It's trying to be rather simple with maybe one add-on. But I think we'll try to play it. Why not? And in Agora, you add a board to the bottom of the original Seven Wonders Duel board, which is divided into six sections. And during setup, you'll add Senate cards to the tableau, which will allow you to place cubes. Thematically, it's influence onto different sections of that board. And having more influence gives you a special power in each region, and having more influence in all six is an endgame condition that will win you the game just immediately. And the game also adds conspiracies, ugh, conspiracies, conspiracies, which is a pretty big... <laughs> Interesting. I do love Siege. <laughs> it, it, uh, those are a pretty big take-that element in this expansion, which the original game has a little bit of interaction like that with your your wonders that you can build but not a whole lot but these conspiracies are just you're slapping the other player and it does add a lot of fun that way but if you're not so much into take that elements then maybe you'd rather prefer pantheon than agora uh, but i really enjoyed both and i think based on that you can choose which one you'd rather own and if you really love them buy both And after that, uh, we played Captain Sonar, like I said. Meej and I played Colorado, which will probably come up later, and Between Two Cities. Meej, what have you been up to? What board games have you been playing? Yeah, so like you said, we played Colorado and Between Two Cities. We also played Fort, which we've talked about before. Great game. Look it up. Um, our friend Daryl and I often will play Wingspan on the switch together um it's a i usually very much dislike digital implementations of board games i find it extremely hard to keep track of because not everything is in one place and it's hard to figure out what's going on because you're not visually looking at everything um but wingspan on the switch is actually quite good it it works really well it's fun it doesn't take that long um yeah it's great um and we also love that game in person we started playing on the switch because of the pandemic in person the game is just it's one of my favorites um but the one i wanted to talk about was we played this game with a group of friends for our friend adrian's birthday two weeks ago how to host a murder is a series of games and the entry we played is called grapes of frath I say frath. I declare. Yeah, I say frath like that so that you guys understand it's meant to be a pun and it's a terrible pun because frath is the guy who was murdered. It was his name. Um, so this is one series of these murder mystery games. We played two from a different series and they're scripted. So what that means is you don't have to come up with what you're saying. You don't have to make sure you know your character inside and out. You have a booklet that has talking points and it has it gives you a list of things that should come out in this section of the game and you're not wandering around the house like our classic imagination of a murder mystery party you're sitting in a room or around a table playing the game it's really good it's really accessible um the game comes with a booklet that tells you who your character is beforehand so that you can dress up so i was a how did they word it i was 1920s paris 
I was a young gentleman jeweler and the key phrase was he is something of a playboy. So it just gives you <laughs> something like that and you just run with it. Um, a lot of fun. That's awesome. Um, I don't want to give away any of the stories, but don't go in expecting amazing writing because the stories are meh. They're not great, but they are full of puns. So much, so much pun as the title gives away. Um, but that's the writing isn't the point. It's still fun to try to figure it out. It's fun to get into these characters and like just be way too much and way over the top. This one, unfortunately, had a little bit of story that was, I would say, rated R and completely unnecessary. Um, they didn't need to put it in at all. And that, Boo. yeah, that kind of ruined it for me. Um, but the other two I've played didn't have that. The one had it a little bit, but not not to the same extent. I'm really trying not to give things away here. Um, but yeah, <laughs> other than that, these games are definitely worth playing. Um really accessible really fun yeah highly recommend great adam what games have you played um not a ton i'm gonna talk about here uh you've already talked about captain sonar uh which was a lot of fun um it was interesting the sort of almost stressful situations it created with the real time very stressful yeah, depending on Just the role. Just straight up very stressful. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> it's so bad. I love it. But more so than like what the game actually did, like I, I really enjoyed the situations and the, the environment of people yelling at each other and trying to figure things out with all with so much going on. It did a really good job of creating an environment. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, you've already spoken sure. about it. And then my only other game is something I'm going to talk about during our discussion, which is a little... Uh, press your luck set collection card game called Captain Carcass, which is a reskin of Dead Man's Draw. Um, so I'm going to save that for later. And that's it. Nice. Andrew, do you play any games this week? Did you beat your four from last time? Uh, I tied it. So, nice. Yeah. Um, that's pretty yeah. good. Mm -hmm. So we played a bunch of set collecting games that we'll get into as I get, or we get to our main topic later but uh like i was saying i was looking forward to the new final fantasy expansion this weekend and we didn't get to play much uh so we decided to take final fantasy to the tabletop and we busted out a bunch of um a couple of our trading card game decks from the final fantasy tcg um again yeah, had a lot of fun with that game it's it's um bit uh designed by uh taro kagiyama and published by square enix and hobby japan um and he was a a magic pro for a long time so there's a lot of similarities between magic and the the final fantasy tcg he was they a wizard a yes oh a professional wizard wow didn't know that <laughs> actually really existed <laughs> so yeah they um or the game has a ton of similarities to magic which is very nice for me because i very much like magic but it improves on a few things uh you can't get mana screwed which is one of the biggest ones uh they've uh, they let you discard cards to generate mana instead of always having to play land cards from your from your deck. So that's really sweet. And, from my um, limited knowledge good. of Magic: The Gathering, that's is huge. Right. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and uh, yeah. Other than that, it's like in the Final Fantasy theme, so that's one of my favorite uh, franchises. So uh, yeah, really enjoy that game. Ten stars out of ten. 
10 stars out of 9. Whoa. Wow. Whoa. Every, mm-hmm. Everyone get it. It's the best game in the world. It's the Uber Supreme <laughs> trading card game. <laughs> yep. I'm guessing Sounds the queue for your card games is a lot shorter than actual Final Fantasy. Well, yes, when I play it on Forget. my tabletop. <laughs> Bad joke. <laughs> there aren't 10,000 people trying to get at your table. Nope. Not generally. As opposed to on the servers, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if they knew how cool well, your table was, there would be a line of 10,000 people. Mm-hmm. That's true. I line up sometimes. All right, let's move on to the news or what's exciting for you coming up soon. Adam, you want to kick it off? Yep. Uh, I have only one thing, uh, kind of tying into what Andrew was just talking about, actually. This will probably be done by the time this airs, but there's a Kickstarter up called Mindbug. Are any of you aware of this? Nope. I am not. I'm going to look at it right now as you talk about it. You got us. Um. He didn't design it, but Richard Garfield's name is attached to it, who is the guy who is famous for uh, Magic the Gathering. And it's this really hilarious-looking combat Magic Magic the Gathering sort of game, but there's no mana resources at all. All you really do is play crazy monsters. And there's a mechanic that allows you to mind control um, a total of two of your opponent's monsters during the course of a battle. So there's some strategy with which ones you pick and when. Um, but it's just a pack of cards and the there's a lot of crazy monsters and crazy mechanics and it looks super fun. It's done in four days from now. Um, uh, so it's worth checking out. I know often they do the late Kickstarter thing if, mm-hmm. if uh, you were interested in it. So it might be worth taking a look. Have just... you played Key- Keyforge? I was going to ask um, if it was guys, similar nope. to that. Cause, so good. Yeah, just quick. Yeah, I don't love Keyforge. Um, I do. What do you Does love this about it? Does look similar? Um, the art, the art's kind of reminded me about it a little bit. But yeah, it looks like there's, in Keyforge, there's different houses and stuff that... Uh, so, here. I love Magic the Gathering and I love Keyforge. They're very different games. I'm not saying they're the same Mm -hmm. game at all. So just so everyone understands, Magic the Gathering is a trading card game, meaning you buy packs of cards to make your deck better. Um, Keyforge is something Fantasy Flight started doing called a living card game. Um, That means you buy a pre-made deck that is 100% unique. Kind uh, of. Actually, I got to disagree. Yeah, it's, it's not a living card game because the living card games they they release more and more cards that you can cycle into your into your decks. Oh, but yes. in Keyboard, you buy the deck itself and yeah. that you can't ever change it because it's got a yeah. unique back and everything, and that that you play mm-hmm. what you get. Yeah. So um, gameplay wise, what I love about Keyforge is you don't have to build the deck, so that's huge for me because going out and buying expensive cards is kind of annoying oh for sure and hugely yeah. which is something they're advertising with mindbug like that's something they're touting quite a bit right. that there's no randomized packs it's it sounds like there'll probably be expansion packs they're gonna add yeah. to it um but yeah yeah the other thing is with magic you're building an engine as you play um and you can get swept away by the other player really easily and feel very screwed i find mm-hmm. with keyforge often 
almost every deck I've played with has something that completely wipes the board and starts over. It, it keeps the equilibrium between players a lot better. So I personally find it a lot more fun. Um, it adds, I guess it's more random, but also the art and the cards, like they all have little quotes that are hilarious. I just, mm-hmm. I like both games a lot. I just think Keyforge has a different flavor to it that I really enjoy. Yeah, for sure. There was a lot of things I really liked about Keyforge and was excited about, um, like the not getting random packs and just getting buying a deck being done and and you just sound, yeah. sit down and play it like matt and i um played a, a game together at uh at packs we picked up or matt picked up a couple of decks i just borrowed one of his and we just sat down bashed out a, a game of keyforge um i just yeah i had some tr- problems with the gameplay like you could only activate one of your houses houses at a time but your deck's made up of three different houses so sometimes it felt like you had cards on the field that you couldn't use or cards in your hand that you couldn't play and i felt that interaction was a little bit awkward um but yeah this uh looking through so this it game. sounds like some of that might be fixed for you in this game based on my limited understanding of it mm-hmm. that there's not really resources at all it's just it's just craziness just every turn basically and then a lot of the strategy is which monster you're gonna mind control my other so uh, look Go ahead. I just sorry, this is a total tangent, but looking at I'm on the board game geek page and one of the pictures is literally a guy putting the deck into his jeans pocket. Yeah. <laughs> I just find it really funny that so many board games these days are in massive boxes. But like in the last six months, the trend has really been let's make this as small and portable as possible. Like the one company yeah. is doing games like that are 10 cards and fit in your wallet. Like it just—it's really funny to me that we teeter totter all the way to the other side. I was just gonna say, just looking through, yeah, this Kickstarter—it looks pretty cool. I'm gonna read into it a little bit more after uh, after the episode. Beautiful. That's all I got. Nice. Mead, you got something written here? Yeah, just a point of interest that Queen Elizabeth doesn't allow the royal family to play Monopoly as it brings out quote their ultra competitive side unquote. That's all I got. I just thought that was funny. (laughs) That's super funny. (laughs) That's funny. I like to imagine uh, like the princes like hiding, playing Monopoly without their mom knowing. (laughs) As adults. Yeah, and they're like (laughs) sixty. Yeah. Yeah. I I uh, am pretty excited. Uh, We pick names for my in-laws' Christmas gift exchange, and. I'm not going to say too much, but I'm hoping to make my gift this year because we're doing a, a bit of a theme where you either make your gift or buy it secondhand or at a local shop instead of supporting Jeff Bezos, I guess. <laughs> and I'm I'm hoping to make my gift. So I'll post pictures after like of the actual gift made when are, uh, are after you, I give it to him. Are you? Oh, there it's or a, her. There's, a little, there's a little hint there, eh? I was going to say, are, or are you her. allowed to say who it is? No, uh, I shouldn't. Okay. I know I know they're avid fans. <laughs> you just <laughs> narrowed it way this down. This is narrowing down really quickly. <laughs> oh, no. My, my whole family listens. Every yeah. single one of them. Sweet. But are Hi, they Matt. fans? Hi, oh, Matt's yeah. family fans. <laughs> Uh, cool then we might as well move right along to our topic of the week and our topic is set collecting within board games so the board game geek definition is the value of items is dependent on being part of a set 
for example, scoring according to groups of a certain quantity or variety. And I, it probably goes on to explain a little more about that in the article, but I, I think that set collecting can be a little more than that. Uh, maybe collecting sets of something because they hold value to you particularly, maybe not to other people. Um, we will discuss that as we dive into games. And Adam, you're up first. Okay. Um, so the one that I played this week is uh, one that I kickstarted many years ago, and it comes in this amazing little tin. Uh, it's called Captain Carcass. I think I'm saying that correctly, by Mayday Games. It, and, it really uh, just looks like Captain Carcass to me. Carcass. <laughs> Sorry, I thought it every time. <laughs> it's underwater themed, and somehow Carcass sounded like somehow more appropriate, but you're probably right. <laughs> um, so it's it's a very short game. Um, you basically have a deck of cards with a bunch of suits that are all ocean themed. So you have harpoons and nets and mermaids and submarines and knives and things like that. And uh, you dive into the water and you start flipping over cards. And then each card that you flip, you have to resolve its action. So for example, uh, a giant squid forces you to flip two more cards, no matter what. And then whenever there's two of the same suit up, a diving incident occurs and uh, you basically lose all your cards and they go into Davy Jones's locker. Uh, if you have an anchor, it protects the cards that you have already put out. So it's a way to uh, maybe keep going and risk it if you have a safety net. Um, so the neat part of the set collection part is the cards that you win back to your hold. Only the highest number of each suit counts at the end. So... There's a bit of a decision-making with, do I want um, to keep multiples with the chances of my opponent maybe making me give some up? And you're looking at your opponent's sets and you're using harpoons to say maybe um, throw it back into the ocean or whatever. So um, it's, a, it's a fun set collection along mixed with a, a push-your-luck kind of mechanic um, that I enjoy thoroughly. How long does it take to play around? Um. Oh, my wife's yelling at me that she, she insists knowing that she won our game. Oh, that is good um, to know. So <laughs> I'm going to include that. Uh, the nice. game, it probably took 20 minutes. Okay. It comes with a bunch of scenarios and like custom divers that add new rules and stuff that I haven't played too much at all with. Um, but it's very quick. It's nice. I like the idea of combining set collection and push your luck. Um, I just think in a longer game, it would be a little rough and annoying because I feel like with any push your luck game, you can easily do very, very poorly. Yeah. And some of the mechanics help with that because the push your luck, like the anchor lets you keep cards that you might lose and there's ways to take and steal and, um, destroy the collection that your opponents made so there's a lot of movement all over the place mm. which adds to how quick it feels so and the art's very pretty it's it's a fun little game always worth it just for the art oh so, yeah nice andrew do you have a game you want to talk about yeah i've played a couple set collection games uh similar to adam i actually played two two short set collection games as well that are like uh that are two player games uh the first one i'll talk about is Hanimikoji, 
by Kota Naka, Nakayama, published by Emperor S4, which uh, never heard of them before. But it's a fun little, um, yeah, fun little set collection game. You're trying to win the favor of seven different uh, geisha, and uh, you do that by collecting sets of their their favorite items. Um, is it family yeah, friendly? It is family friendly. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> Very much so. They're just beautiful the Japanese princesses. Okay. And uh, yeah, so it's an interesting game. It's a two-player game, and you're and yeah, you're you're gonna play it over the course of three rounds, and each round is going to consist of you and your opponent um, having four turns, and on each one of those four turns, you have. Uh, a different action you have to play. So there's four different actions. You have to play each action every every round of the game. Um, but you get to choose kind of what order you want to do them in. So you have a hand, a starting hand, I think it's six cards. And then you choose one of your four actions. The one action is to save a card for later in the game. And the second one is to discard two cards that are not going to be used for the entire game. Um, your third action is to play three cards and let your opponent choose which one out of those three they want first. And then the fourth action is similar. You play four cards, split them into two piles, and your opponent picks um, from those two piles first. So your opponent is always going to have the first choice out of the cards that you play, which makes that selection process a lot more interesting, trying to figure out what, what they're going to pick and realizing what, what they're going to leave there for you. Um, yeah, yeah, you're basically trying to collect sets of these different items, and each item has a different color, which is going to associate to each one of the different princesses. And if you have more items under your control at the end of the game for uh, your princess, you get control of that princess, and yada yada yada. Whoever has the most, uh, yeah, you're trying to get four of the four of the seven princesses on your side by the end of the three rounds, and uh, then you win the game. So there's some interesting uh, choices to be made uh, after playing it a couple times. Uh, Again, um, I'm probably going to put it back on the shelf for probably another year or two and then pick it up again, play it a few more times. <laughs> but uh, it's a fun game, but there's once you, yeah, once you play through it a couple times, every game's going to be pretty, pretty similar, mm -hmm. I think. But, um, mm -hmm. but yeah, I love the I cut you choose mechanic and it, yes. it pairs well, pairs well with the set collection mechanic too. Mm -hmm. trying to figure out what you don't want your opponent to have and then having no choice but to put out things that they like anyway. Yeah, it's good. Mm -hmm. uh, and the second one, a uh, similar kind of time frame, like a 20-minute game to play through the whole thing, is Tides of Time by uh, Christian Kurla and published by Portal Games. Has anyone played this one? I think this one's a little bit more more popular. I have nope. not. I don't think I so. I don't think so. So, yeah, yeah th this is another set collection game where you're where you're drafting with your with your opponent two player game. Uh, so you start with five cards. You draft each way, trying to collect uh, sets. There's five different symbols on the different cards, and you're gonna get bonus points for collecting specific sets or or having more of one set than your opponent and etc. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's a fun little one. The interesting mechanic there is at the end of the first round, you choose one card that you have in play, and you keep it in play for the rest of the game. And then you're going to draw two new cards, and and you also choose one to leave play, and that isn't going to be played for the rest of the game. So you throw that one back in the box, and then you draw two new cards. So you start round two with five cards each again, and then you draft back and forth again. And then you do the same thing one more time. So you'll end up having seven cards in play at the end of the game, and there's going to be four cards that are discarded that are no longer going to be in, in use, but you're kind of recycling the, the rest of them and just trying to collect sets and get the most points. The art on that looks beautiful, too. Yeah, that's a pretty cool one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Aren't it? Oh, yeah. Like little paintings each. everywhere. 
mm-hmm. each card is different different art too even though they're the same sets yeah 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 um, each card has a uh, yeah has a unique name and unique art and stuff cool like that we're gonna have to have a game night at your house because it seems like i haven't played a lot of your games mm-hmm. you might have played this this next one though so the big one i wanted to talk about was uh is called tokaido and uh tokaido is another antoine bowser game and uh uh, published by Funforge. So, yeah, if you guys want, while we're talking about this, pull up a picture on BGG, because this is another very pretty Japanese-themed yeah. game. I've wanted to play um, this one for a while. Yeah, this one's yeah, super, I've super fun. Yeah, I've definitely played this. Yeah. yeah. I have played this one. Yeah, so I played this one on Saturday before our Christmas festivities began with the family. I played it with myself, my wife, and our daughter, and my niece. So we played with the four of us, uh, and that was super fun. So in this game, you're playing as a traveler traveling across japan and as you are making your travels you make different stops at different different places it's cool because you all start at the back of the line and then whoever is in last last place in the line is the next person to go so you can choose to go anywhere you want on the board between where you are and the next inn. there's four stops along the way or along your journey that you have to stop at and everyone's got to stop at the inn and wait till everyone gets there and then you keep going to the next inn or to the next checkpoint and then you can stop at every, every single point in between there and basically every point you stop at will give you a card or you can have a chance to purchase a card that's going to be part of a set that you're going to put down in a tableau in front of you. So the the choices in this game are interesting because you want to get that specific card you want that you think is going to get you the most points. But if you're going to be jumping over three spaces to try to try to get to that spot, you might be losing out on on other potential victory points. So there's some interesting things there. I love that mechanic in a lot of games where it's either get ahead of all your opponents and go first or hold back and possibly get more valuable stuff. Like a lot of um, worker placement games have that, like uh, Viticulture. Mm -hmm. But the one I'm thinking of, um, the game I'm specifically thinking of is called Heaven and Ale. And you're going around the board collecting different resources to brew beer, essentially. But it has that same mechanic where you can jump ahead of everyone, but then you're going to miss all the resources in between. It just adds a really right. cool thought process. Yeah, because you really don't want the guy in last place to have two or three empty spaces before the guy that's in second last, because he's just going to get free resources. Even right. if he's missing out on some of the bigger set collections, you're going to make up for it by by hitting some of these other spots. Yeah. So, yeah, so just going through each of the different spaces, there's three different ones uh, that let you grab a piece of kind of a panorama, which is really neat. You collect one card, and as you... Um, collect more from this set it's going to build a bigger picture out on your tableau so that looks really pretty Uh, there's a set of three four and five so you can you're trying to be the first one to get all the cards in that set because there's a a bonus objective for that as well but then yeah every card you get in the set is worth more points so that's a big one to go after or you can just stop and take a break at one of the hot springs and just go in a hot spring and get a couple points that you that one's going to be generally less points, but it's just, it's easy. You just go there, get your one-off card, get a couple points, and then you can buy souvenirs or, um, yeah, buy su- souvenirs, which, um, yeah, you're, tr- you're trying to collect uh, different types of souvenirs. You get more points for the more different souvenirs you get. And at some point, you should probably stop at a farm, uh, work for a little while so you can raise more money to buy more souvenirs or more food and, and that sort of thing. And you can meet different types of travelers along the way. Like sam- you can meet a samurai or, or something else from the traveler deck. And yeah, it's a, it's a very cool game. Very unique looking. It's very like simplistic somehow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, minimalist. It's, it is beautiful. Yeah. Awesome. 
Mead, you've got one that I think everybody has played. I hope so. Bonanza. It's a classic. So Bonanza is published in North America by Rio Grande, um, designed by Juve Rosenberg. And there's a whole bunch of artists credited, but I looked at my copy, which is an older copy, and it credits the graphics to Bjorn Pertoft. So that's what I've written here. Get ready for me to say bean a whole bunch of times because the theme bean 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 yeah pretty much the theme of this game is you are a bean farmer that that's hilarious to me that alone just (laughs) attracts me to this game because (laughs) what other game are you a bean farmer right so the game is essentially just a massive deck of cards and these cards depict eight different types of beans the more valuable the bean the less of that bean are in the deck Um, The point of the game is to plant your fields. Each field can only contain one type of bean. When you think it's most opportune or the field is full, you harvest it to make money. Money is victory points. To throw a couple wrenches in, um, each player can only use two fields. Some of the older editions allow you to buy a third field. Apparently, I was listening to another podcast. Some of the newer editions in Germany don't even have the third bean field in it. Because they ran some stats, and there's like a 4% chance of you winning buying a third bean field. It's just not a really? payoff. Yeah, so they took it out of the game, apparently. Oh, that's cool. Oh. Yeah. But um, how much? Per- how many percentages of fun is a third bean field? It depends it how you play. Is it losing for having more fun? I don't know if it, you do have more fun. I. That's, wow. I just love the third bean field. Yeah, yeah, and you can keep losing. <laughs> um, to keep moving, another cool... <laughs> I think this is the most unique mechanic in this game. So, like most card games, you have a hand of cards that you're using to plant your beans. But at the beginning of the game, you pick the left side or the right side of your hand of cards. If you're a normal human who speaks English, you're going to pick the right side. Whenever you draw a card, (laughs) you have to put it onto the right side of your hand. When you take a card out of your hand, it has to come out of the left side. So when you're drawing cards, they are always cycling through your hand. Hopefully that made sense. Very hard to explain. Like a conveyor belt, and they can only fall off the one side. And when you put it on the conveyor belt, it's got to come on the other end. That was a much better way to explain it. All right. (laughs) So your turn starts. You must plant one or two bean cards from your hand. You put them into one of your open fields or a field that already has that bean type. So if I'm going to plant a coffee bean, either I have to plant it in an open field or a field that has coffee beans already in it. If there are no fields with coffee beans, I have to uproot one of the fields with other beans, say green beans, to put the coffee bean down. Now, this is the fun part. You take two cards from the deck, you place them face up, and you start trading with people. So, you have a couple choices here. You can either take those face-up cards and plant them in your field, or you can trade them for pretty much anything with other players. And when I say pretty much anything, I actually mean pretty much anything. The only thing you cannot trade for is beans that have been previously planted in players' fields. So Adam could trade me two coffee beans for the blue bean that I just drew. Matt could offer to give me the next green bean that shows up. 
Um, I'll give you a future. Yeah. Andrew can give me a future. Matt could say, I'm really poor and terrible at this game. Could you please give me the bean for charity? Could also do that. Um, but the the twist there is all of these beans have to be planted. They do not go in your hand. So I could try to give this card to Matt as charity, and he could say no because he doesn't have room for it. All and this then you get to say stuck with a bean that you can't plant. Oh, that's the best. It's amazing. All of this is to say you are gonna sit down at a table with up to seven friends and you are gonna scream your lungs out about beans and yelling at them to take your coffee beans and to not give you that stink bean because you really don't want it. And it's it's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Um Apparently I learned too this game is in almost every gas station in Germany. If we have a German listener, feel free to correct me. But apparently it's as common as Uno is here. Like it's everywhere. Um huh. yeah, it's accessible. It's very fun. It's trading, it's diplomacy, it's very much set collection. The theme is very unique. The only problem with it is the artwork is ugly, but I even hesitate Hard to disagree. S- yeah. I hesitate to say that's a problem because the ugly artwork <laughs> works really, really well for it. Um, They're very cute beans. Yeah. The one other thing I wanted to mention, I looked it up on BGG, Board Game Geek. There are 27 expansions. You don't need any of them. The base game really? is sufficient. I don't think you need any of the expansions. It, it's amazing on its own. 27? There are 27, when and most of game? them are not... Matt, do you have it open yeah, right what, now? Uh, no, but when I bought the game, I uh, I had played it with Mark a whole bunch first and then realized that I needed that game, as one does when they first get in the hobby. Yeah. So I bought that game, and I thought, eh, why not add a couple expansions into the cart because I'm getting it anyway, and I don't think I've played with them once. Yeah, so just so you realize really what no these expansions to. are, one is called Bona Nostra, so B-O-H-N is bean in German. Yeah. Marco Bono instead of Marco Polo. <laughs> bone apart. I High bone. Yeah, it goes on forever. There's 27 sure. of these just terrible <laughs> puns. Um, really riding that wave. Yeah. But <laughs> honestly, for someone coming into the hobby, this game is excellent. Um, oh, the yeah. rules Absolutely. can be slightly overwhelming because it's very... Like with the whole hand thing, people sometimes have a hard time understanding that. But once you get it, you get it, and it's just very fun. Absolutely one you need in your collection if you don't already have it, for sure. Yeah, and one of the ones you can cross over with your friends because you'll play it enough. That's true. If three of your friends have it, you don't need to buy it. And I own it, so you're probably okay, Andrew. I haven't played this one in so long. Oh, man. Next time. More than a decade, probably. Tuesday Gaming Night. Speaking of Tuesday Gaming Night, on Thursdays, we have a a cadet club at our church. And Andrew and I are counselors. Uh, Actually, all of us are counselors. We all are. Meej is is the ultra-supreme counselor there. High chancellor. In charge of all of us. (laughs) <laughs> but because it was my birthday the next day and the guys had worked really hard for the past few weeks on their getting their uh, woodsman badges i decided to bring between two cities and we played that one it's by matthew o'malley and ben rossett and then published by stonemeyer games one of my favorite publishers 
And it's a city building drafting set collection game. So each player will be building a city with the player to their left and their player to their right. So at the end of the game, each player will have two cities that they score. Their score will be the lower of the two cities. So don't play favorites or you'll lose for sure. You get a hand of seven tiles at the beginning and you'll take two, passing the rest of the tiles to your right. And then once everybody has done that, they'll take the two that they chose and decide one to go in one city and one to go in the other, openly communicating with the players to your left and right. And then hopefully convincing them to put the good tile that they have in the city that you want them to put it in. And then halfway through, you'll keep doing that. It's a drafting game as well. So you'll take the the five tiles then from your left, you'll pick two and you'll pass the other three to your right. And then you do that one more time and the last tile is discarded. And then the, the middle round, you'll each get uh, a double tile or three double tiles. So those are two of the single tiles connected together. You'll pick two and discard the third one and then put them in your cities. And then the third round is like the first round just in reverse. So you'll pass your extra tiles to the left. And then at the end of the game, each person will have uh, a 4x4 four four grid city on their left and on their right. And they'll score them depending on what tiles they've chosen to put in the city and where they've chosen to put them. Um, the different uh, tile types are... I, I never know what the first one is. It's yellow. Is it a shop? I yeah. Think it's a shop. It is. Yep. So then the shops will score more points for being a continuous row or a column. And then you get two points for having one down and then all the way up to 16 points for having all four in a row. There are factories that get you four points per, having, per factory for having the most of any city. And then second place gets three points and everyone else gets two points per factory. There are four unique taverns, which is the red suit, and you get more points for having each of the unique pictures. The parks will score for having three orthogonally adjacent, but score poorly for the fourth and fifth one in each other one. So you get two points, eight points, and 12 points, depending on if you have one, two, or three parks touching. And then you'll get plus one point for the fourth park, so it's not as advantageous to put four parks together. And then houses score one point for each other type of building in your city. Or if they're next to a factory, one point because nobody wants to live next to a factory. Unless it's a chocolate factory. Um, well, that's owned true. Owned by Willy Wonka. Uh, do they I would want nothing smoke? to do with that factory because there would be Oompa Loompas nearby and nobody wants to be anywhere near an Oompa Loompa at any time. Is it because they're disgruntled? I want a chocolate river running through my backyard. That's all I have to say. Oompa Loompas, they're going to be singing that song. And That's fine. You're going to want to know. That's what earplugs Won't are for. Won't the chocolate river touch the dirt? There's probably way more Oompa Loompa variety than we're aware of. Like, <laughs> are you, ones, much are you referring like, to the new Oompa Loompas or the old Oompa Loompas? Because there's the vastly different. Oh, the old ones are yeah, the way worse. Ones. Are they? I don't even know if I've seen the new ones. Oh, it's so good. Because they make those up on the spot, right? Technically, but in they the book... the thing that's happening. Yeah, but in the like, book... Imagine you cutting the lawn, they're like, dun, dun, cutting yeah. your lawn. Like, in the book, it makes it seem kind of like they'd rehearsed, which is kind of fishy, but it never actually outright says it, which is hilarious. 
Any of those board games. (laughs) (laughs) All of that is not in the theme of Between Two Cities. (laughs) But it is... uh, Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, go for it. I'm just going to say it's a phenomenal game. It plays up to seven people, which is really nice. And it's a lot of teamwork working with your partner to your right and to your left to score, like to set collect. So you know the, the tiles that you're passing on. So you maybe you save one in there that you hope the guy to your right uses in your city as well. And then you have then the, you the, the fun arguments with uh, the guys to your left and right. You were like, no, you got to put this one in our city because that's going to get us yeah. this many points. But then he's like, no, I got to put it over here because then it gets me this many points. And that's always then a fun you're yelling interaction. across the table to their partner saying, you don't right. need that. Yeah. Don't, yeah. don't convince them to put it there. when we played, me, Adam, and Joel were all being way too nice to each other. Yeah. Like, yeah. like it was just the other side of the table. none of us were being mean. We were all like, oh, well, then I'll do it over here and screw over this city just to make you happy. Like, it, yeah. <laughs> it's a very interesting <laughs> dynamic. And then me and Hannah were mad at each other. <laughs> this one's a neat yeah, example because kind of like last time with the the casino aspect of the the deck building i was trying to think of what makes these ones fun like what's the like what, what's some of the breakdown components <laughs> of it and between two cities is kind of neat because i think one of this one of the normal parts of a, of a set collection is there's a lot of transparency generally you can see what's going on in front of you and you see the collections obviously that people have built and between two cities is cool because it makes you even it makes you do even more deciding because you can see what other people are about to do with their sets like which City they're going to put it in yeah so that's that's a pretty original usage of that sort of transparency that comes with the set collection that's an interesting thing yeah. I, you just made me think of me Matt and Hannah played um near and far which is more of a story-based game, but one of the ways you get victory points is by getting trade routes. So there'll be two of each trade route on the map, and you have to build a tent on both halves of the trade route to get full points. And that transparency is really interesting because in that game, you're you're playing as a meeple and you have to move to the different trade routes. So oftentimes what would happen is I would see Matt or Hannah trying to go for the other other half of my cabbage trade route and that transparency is there. <laughs> but I'm trying to collect both cabbages so I get more points. Yeah. Yeah, it shows up in um, Concordia as well. And depending on which way you want to score your points, you want to purchase the cards that have that point scoring so you're collecting sets of types of point scoring it's very interesting so if you're in each of the 12 different provinces then you want to get the cards that will score you more of that point as well and collect all of that set which is fun yeah trying to and fight it, the other it person it feels good else. to have those big collections in front of you yeah then you look over at hannah and she's got like all of the cards for having all of your people on the board and then yeah. you're, just, you're wondering how you're possibly going to beat her. And you Most don't. of my examples assume yeah. Hannah's not playing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think the, the one game that we didn't mention, uh, have you guys played Colorado? Yeah, I was just going to mention that too. Yeah, I heard about it from the Board Game Barrage podcast, which is a pretty cool podcast. So check it out. But it's like a 2003 game? Yeah, it's out of print. 2013? I just looked. Oh, is it? I wanted to buy we it. We played it on 
tabletop simulator on Steam, which is a, a fun way to play games when your friend can't leave his house. But Ooh. it is terrible because if you have to split the deck for any reason or do oh. like anything that would take you half a second in real life takes you and 40 Colorado, seconds in the game. Colorado was way worse than other games we've played. Like whoever oh, for that. I'm sorry, whoever made it on tabletop needs to go back to tabletop simulator school because it was bad. <laughs> tabletop simulator school. But that was a very fun game too because that was a little bit of eye split and you pick where you flip a card off the top of the deck and then you got to put it in column A, B, or C and column A can hold three, column B can hold two cards and column C can hold one. That's the two-player variant. If you're playing with more people, oh, is, there's yeah. two columns which each hold three. Oh, I see. And then uh, plus one column per person playing. Right. Yeah. So it was it was very fun to look over at Adam's side of the table and see like five purple guys and two brown guys, but he doesn't want any yellow guys. So then you're putting you see he put a brown guy on the table, so you add a yellow yeah. guy to that. You missed a you missed a important point to give that context. You only, only score a, a thousand points. Yeah, I always do. Use um, <laughs> you only score on the sets that you have the three most of. So right, and anything else. So if I have four yellow, three green, and say five purple, I will score on those colors. If I only have one orange, that's negative one point. So on top of trying to collect sets, I'm trying to stack the columns. I'm hoping Matt goes for with colors he doesn't want to try to give him negative points mm -hmm. it's and just very like funny. you get more you get more points for if you have more of a certain color for positive points if you have that with you can get that with negative points too yeah. so if you have one card that you'll get negative points for it's minus one point but if you have three then you'll get minus nine points or whatever whatever the scoring is yeah. so it also ramps up in negative points as well which is a lot of fun also very colorblind friendly the orange cards had oranges as the background all, all of them have chameleons the red <laughs> ones had strawberries the brown one was bark the green one was bamboo it was very nice now you're making me hungry well and i guess bamboo. maybe we should all go get <laughs> snacks delicious bamboo <laughs> Well, that is the episode, and I think it's going to be our first one under an hour, which I hope I think we're we're going to try to aim for. The last yep. couple have been a little long, but Getting thank you for it. listening. Yeah, we come we uh, put out a podcast every Thursday. You every can other Thursday. contact uh, us. Nope. Every other Thursday. Every other Thursday. That's a, uh, yeah. I absolutely meant to say that. You can contact us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Turn Turtles BG. Or email us at theturnturtles at gmail.com. We want to know what your favorite set collecting games are, what you like about that mechanic, and what you want us to talk about in the future. So be sure to tune in, and we'll check you guys out later. See ya. Bye. Goodbye. Bye.